Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. My job came to an end. I didn't react. I didn't sort of rush to the next thing or feel compelled to jump into something. I actually took the time out to really reflect and really invest time in what I wanted to do next and what was important to me. Today on episode 566 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder of Mercury Jam, Neil Chambra Stevens. I'm going to ask Neil what techniques are most effective to pivot successfully and much more. Stay with us to hear all the details. You can find out more about Neil along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Neil Chambra-Stevens. Neil is a business coach and strategist focusing on well-being and productivity in the workplace, especially for the next generation of leadership. He draws on over 20 years' experience as a CMO VP with Fortune 500 brands and corporations, including Converse, Vans, Levi's, and Polaroid. This experience has highlighted the importance of putting people first and encouraging them to be their best selves, both individually and collectively as a team, with particular attention to leading remotely. Neil believes in simplicity and encourages the principle of working from anywhere and currently lives and runs Mercury Jam from a houseboat in Amsterdam. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, David. It's great to be here. Thank you. So, Neil, you've experienced a number of unexpected significant changes in your work and your personal life in a very short time. And um, I want to hear what you've learned from those experiences. Before we get into that, maybe you could describe a little bit about your background that has kind of positioned you to be able to make the kinds of changes that you have made recently. Sure. Well, I think the first thing to say, originally, originally from, the, uh, from the UK, I grew up in, uh, in England, just outside London. And I've been really lucky that and fortunate to work for a number of brands, the brands that you listed in the, uh, in the opening, David. And I've been able to live and work in Europe and in the US. And I've had experience in, in Asia, particularly in China and Japan. And I think the one thing that sort of connects those experiences is people. And I've always been really interested in you know, when you put a team of people together and how you can create a high-functioning, high-performance team and how as a leader you can really encourage people to be their best selves on their, on their best day. So the red thread for me and sort of the aha moment that maybe we'll get into a bit later is recognizing that despite I'd had, you know, worked for some amazing brands, Converse and Levi's and Polaroid and, and all the rest of it, that it was actually working with people that I enjoyed um, the most. And that's where I wanted to put my time and attention going forward. And, you know, given your, your global work experience and your uh, success working with some major brands, what led you to do what you do now, which is, seems quite different? Yeah. yeah, I think there's there's a couple of ways to, to sort of to tackle that. And I think one is sort of a, 
a work experience and the other is is uh, is sort of life experiences and i think these days it's hard to sort of make a distinction between the two i mean i think the the life experience is that you know they say there are sort of four major triggers stress triggers in uh, in life which is losing a job the bereavement of a close family member marriage or divorce and moving house and i experienced all four of those in in about 12 months uh, in the midst of the, the global pandemic as well and the lessons that i learned from that was very much about the importance of kindness and of gratitude resilience sort of never giving up and also of momentum and those were the four sort of principles that i started mercury jam which is my uh, business uh, coaching consultancy and i think that the lessons that i learned from that i think sometimes that you know things have to completely fall apart in your life maybe and completely unravel to find out where you're truly meant to be because as hard as those experiences were it it really enabled me to kind of tap into my true self my true authenticity and the work that i do now about supporting people and and, and nurturing people and i think sometimes you have to go through that experience to find out where you're truly meant to be in life and the energy that i get from that now i realize that i'm I'm really in the right place. And I think that had I not had those experiences and used those experiences to kind of reflect where I am, I wouldn't have had the, actually the, the energy and the impetus to, to start Mercury Jam. Mm-hmm. Neil, what have you learned about how to address those major stresses when they start showing up that enable you to realize that on the other side, of this stress trigger, work and life could actually be better. And going through the experience of of whatever has triggered the stress is actually okay, as painful as the stress may be. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm a great believer in sort of everything for a reason. And and whilst things might be difficult in in a moment, you know, there's that notion of indeed this this thing will pass, this time will pass. And, And I think because you know we're on a we're on a journey we're in constant motion that you know that whereas one day might be very difficult the next day might bring something uh, a very different experience and i think it's that faith and belief in and using those four principles that enables me to really just appreciate what i have and take things a step at a time and a day at a time and that's that's some of the, the sort of the teachings that or practices that i'm trying to encourage people to look at for example gratitude when everything seems completely uncertain right now that to really focus on things that you know the things that are in your control versus the things that aren't and to really bring yourself into the present and into the now and appreciate what you do have you know simple small things like light and warmth and comfort and things like that because those are the things that you can control the pandemic economic situations, political situations, largely for most of us, depending on what we do, but largely for most of us, those are out of our control. And we can have a point of view on it, but we can't necessarily control those things. So bringing it back to ourselves, small moments, small gestures, I think that those are some of the major learnings that I've had throughout those four stress triggers. Yeah, I find um, the same thing, focusing on what I actually have control over is uh, I find personally to be a lot healthier. You know, over the last year, I've 
started to practice having a news diet because most of what we absorb, uh, or, or actually most of what's produced by major media is a stress trigger. And I actually have very little control over most of it. So yeah, I can pay attention for a few minutes a day and make sure that the world still exists. But to have it on for um, hours a day is not particularly helpful. No, no, I completely subscribe to that. And I think the, you know, our screens are a blessing and a curse because where we are confined and isolated, it is a, a window to the world, but it can also bring in a whole lot of noise and unnecessary noise to your life that whether it is the radio or reading on a screen or whatever it might be, you have to choose and you have to be selective. Like, how much information can I take today? Or how do I want to start my day? Do I want to start my day by, you know, thinking of three things that bring me joy and make me grateful today before I even reach for the phone or look for the phone? And it gives you, it puts you in a different mindset when you do that. And it's an active choice. We shouldn't be you know, so such slaves to our screens. And I think I'm, there are many people that talk of this, I'm not the first, but I think it's something that what I've really appreciated about the pandemic is the noise and the conversation, the positive noise around well-being, mental health and physical health. And I think a lot of people are really leaning into that more. And what's interesting for me, how it's become much more acceptable to talk about well-being in the workplace as well. And Whilst I've been, you know, pushing and promoting well-being and productivity as sort of a, a yin and yang to work in harmony with one another, it's really helpful. The airwaves and the news can be really helpful in sort of supporting that thinking now as we, as we move forward and more people become aware of the power of well-being and the power of physical and mental strength to our day-to-day lives and ultimately productivity as well. Yeah, well said. Now, Neil, given the fact that you experienced four of those major stress triggers that you described earlier in a very short time frame following a high-powered, high-achieving corporate career, what have you learned about how to pivot in order to create a better situation both with regard to work and with life? Sure. I think that's a, that's a great question. I think the I'm sort of Ironically, I'm sort of pausing a moment to answer your question because I think therein lies the key that sometimes we have, say, for example, where in my situation that um, my job came to an end, you know, I parted company with the company, uh, parted company with the brand I was working for. And I didn't react. I didn't sort of rush to the next thing or, or feel compelled to jump into something. I actually took the time out to really reflect and really invest time in what I wanted to do next and what was important to me. And this is all part, I would say, of that pivoting process to, you know, even if you give yourself one or two degrees different perspective, you know, that can make the difference between looking straight at looking at a wall or looking through a window. You know, it's it's a really fine line. And I think that giving yourself time out to really listen to yourself and to your really sort of authentic self to find out what it is that you want to do next. When you do that, then you can kind of gather your strength, your momentum, and step forward into the brave unknown with a little more clarity. You might not know the full path ahead, 
but you can kind of make a decision for yourself to recognize what you don't want to do. I don't want to go back to that or I want to step forward to this. And I think that's, that's a key part of the pivoting process, how you start to actually what are you pivoting away from and what are you pivoting towards? And I think making a distinction with that as the first step to pivoting is, is kind of the key thing. If I may, the second thing I would add is just looking at the experiences that you've had and how those at the time, you know, might have just been sort of the day-to-day of what you, you were doing or a task that you were asked to do. But how, if you reframe and recontextualize that situation, it might be beneficial to your situation today. And with respect, I had a, an aha moment at the beginning of the, of the pandemic. You know, it varied you know, geography to geography. But here in Europe, we largely went into lockdown in March. And there was this, you know, this noise about working from home and how everybody was no longer going into the office and that teams were being asked to be to, to, to be led remotely and leaders were having to kind of step up. And the aha moment that I had was, you know, I was fortunate enough to run global advertising for Lenovo on the East Coast in the US, well, actually in North Carolina, so sort of in the South more. And my team was based in Bangalore, Singapore, Beijing, and my four agencies were in London, Chicago, Boston, and New York. And that's how the team, that was the team that I led, you know, it's just quite a large group of people. And I realized that it is possible to lead remotely, globally, across different geographies and across different time zones. It's not easy, but it's something that I've done before. And this was also one of my motivators to sort of pivot towards online coaching, online business coaching, based on the experience that I've had and the opportunity to give back to people, maybe people who are stepping up into leadership roles as a result of a reorg, or as I say, really supporting the next generation of leadership who maybe hadn't been exposed to that way of working. And using my experience to, again, to lean in and to pivot towards that and share that experience for the benefit of others. And I think those are sort of two two examples, reflection, and also looking at your own experiences to see how you can reframe them, I think are two critical parts of, of, of pivoting and moving in a new direction. And do you think you would have been able to make the same kind of pivot earlier in your career? Do you think that you, you were in a, a state where you were reflecting the same way you, you are more recently in your career? I think sometimes when you're thrown into circumstances which are sort of slightly beyond your control you know i think there's the comfort of having having a job you know being compensated for that the full-time nature of it when that is removed from you (laughs) you know it forces you to think in a different way and yes there are people and i take that my hats off to them who actually are in a full-time job and commit and step away from that but i think it's these sort of push and pull forces that make you or encourage or even force you to think in a different way. So I would say, no, I can, I honestly can think about, you know, working with people. It was what I enjoyed leading teams. It's what I was enjoyed, but to actually jump and embrace wholeheartedly what I'm doing now, in all honesty, no, I don't, I don't think I would have done it without the sort of the life circumstances that were, well, they weren't presented to me. It was enforced on me, (laughs) but I had to, I had to embrace, shall we say. Right. Well, you didn't have to embrace them. You could have, I know people that 
in this similar circumstances, they jump into the first thing they can catch without a lot of reflection. And often what I've seen happen is they end up needing to make more pivots as a result because they haven't taken the time to really do some, some deep reflection and soul searching. Yeah. And I think in, in that case, I think as part of that period of reflection, I think if you're really, you know, I think your why or your passion pro into things, I think is quite a, an overused expression. But if you truly invest in the time to find out what it is that you want to do, truly, truly, truly what you want to do and who to be and what your life needs to represent, quite often, I believe that that period of in, the time for reflection will actually advance you further versus changing something to be motivated by financial gain in the short term. That's a short term for the most part. And some people might go, yeah, actually, I've moved from this and I get paid for this and I get paid for that. That's absolutely fine. It's a personal choice. But I think that maybe, and I'm sort of hedging my bets here a little bit, that those people who do pivot more in those early stages is because they haven't necessarily truly found out what their why is and, and why they're doing it. And, you know, it's a tough old world. There's economic choices that we have to make. I get that. But I would say that if you have the luxury and the time to do it, that it does afford you uh, uh, greater benefits in the long run, for sure. Mm. So now, Neil, in your coaching, who do you work with? Who's your ideal client? So I, I have um, a couple of areas that I'm really targeting. I think the main part that I do is one-on-one is -on -one coaching. And it's for people who are looking to advance themselves and maybe to move into a different area and the benefits of the coaching will be felt with their next employer or existing people who want to develop themselves and, and grow within their existing company. And I would say that, you know, I think I've been fortunate to work at a, a C-suite level, you know, a senior management level within the boardroom. And I think that level of management and leadership is pretty well represented with executive coaching. I think it's, uh, there's a lot of um, opportunity there. Where I see the opportunity to give back is really in that next generation of leadership. So maybe at a middle management level, those people looking to move up from you know, senior manager, director, VP, and kind of beyond. Those are, that's the area that I would like to support and nurture people in. Within my background, you know, I have a, a sportswear lifestyle background. I have an agency background. So within the area of, you know, those types of brands, but also within strategy and creative uh, from, a, from an agency perspective. Because I think that with some of the mental work that I do as well, I see that, um, you know, people are really, really struggling right now with um, the pressures of the economic pressures of what the the um, pandemic has brought upon that sort of emerging generation of leadership. And, you know, I want to support them to maybe reframe how they look at things and focus more on their values versus their experience per se, how they present themselves in within their quote unquote, their personal brand. And what are their unique sort of superpowers that they have? Because everybody has a superpower. It could be you know, copy or listening. I think listening is a greatly uh, undervalued skill. And so those are the sort of the, the types of individuals, the types of companies and the area that I'm really looking to uh, assist and, and 
enable people to grow in. Neil, what are some of the economic pressures that folks like this face? Well, I think that when, depending on the size of the company, you've always got that classic sort of, you know, last in, first out situation where companies are trying to reduce overheads. They're trying to, you know, make ends meet, as it were. And I think that's that's something that a lot of a lot of people where you know companies aren't necessarily valuing their employees for their value. It's just purely on their experience. Oh, you've been here for two years, therefore, you know, you need to leave or or whatever it might be. And I fundamentally have a different point of view on that. I've always subscribed to whenever I've interviewed people, I I would take, you know, common sense over book smart any day because it just shows an aptitude for thinking and being able to pivot and stand on your own two feet and think about these things. And so that's what I encourage, you know, my mentees and the people that I coach to really think about is, yes, there are those economic pressures and how to really reposition themselves and and, and pivot in the way that they represent themselves. Because, you know, you look at some people and they're an exercise I really enjoy is when you're, you're having a great conversation with somebody and they're telling you they're weaving in these wonderful stories and you know i said well just press pause a minute and listen to how you're describing yourself and what you're interested in now go to your linkedin page look at your about section can you see or hear any of the words that you and i have just been using that you're using to describe yourself and pretty much <laughs> the universal answer is Oh no! Actually, oh, I'm just I'm, I come across as a bit dull, don't I? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, you said it, and they and just to encourage people that they do have a choice to actually how they reframe and present themselves to the world, and that's one way of overcoming these economic pressures that uh, they are confronted with in terms of pivoting and presenting themselves and their unique superpowers and skills to the world, and really sort of in a refreshing way that gives them the confidence to speak up and speak out for who they truly are. And I'm confident that brands will will pick up on those because it's very much a values-driven, consumer-driven market out there. That that's what people want over, over just the simple fact of experience. Oh, so-and-so's been here for five years or eight years or whatever. I think there's other values that you can um, and attributes that you can bring to the party that makes makes things very interesting. Yeah, well said. Neil, what's your own vision and your your goals for your coaching business? Where would you like it to to go? I think that there's I think that the more people that I can reach that I can encourage to see themselves in a in a positive way that they can speak with confidence and, and authority. That's really my my goal to to try and reach and connect with as many people as I can, and I think just you know, uh, there's a good friend of mine who who talks about you know being the ripple and creating a ripple a ripple of, of, of kindness. And I think if we can join collectively to where there are a number of folks out there who are talking about kindness and gratitude, to start putting more goodness out into the world. I'm a huge believer in sort of karmic forces that it will just enable everybody. And the world will, it sounds a little hippie, I know, but, it, you know, the world will be a better place. And I, right now in 2021, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a hippie or a corporate hippie at that. So that's my goal, to kind of just focus on goodness, focus on kindness, focus on gratitude, 
and to move forward with those with those qualities and attributes for everybody. I agree. I think the world definitely ne- needs more of all of those attributes. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed or access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? I think there's two or three places. I think they can reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, as Neil Chambre-Stevens or as Mercury Jam or at my uh, website, mercuryjam.com or DM me on Instagram at mercury underscore jam to just start a conversation, uh, reach out for a free discovery session and let's connect and talk and, and, and start the conversation there, I would say. Great. And is there a special offer that you wanted to mention? Yes, I think just to, you know, as we get into, where are we now in beginning of February, if people reach out and mention the show, I'm offering the first five people that connect with me uh, a 10% coaching discount for February. So if people, if we can connect and start that relationship, then I'm more than happy to encourage people, inspire people with a with a 10% discount just to just to get the ball rolling and treat themselves as we go into spring. Sounds good. Well, Neil, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest today has been the founder of Mercury Jam, Neil Chambre-Stevens. Thank you again, Neil, for joining us. Thank you so much, David, for having me. Thank you. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned what techniques are most effective to pivot successfully and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.